If you're on a journey of personal and professional growth, you know that the road can sometimes be challenging. You may be struggling with self-doubt, fear of failure, or feeling overwhelmed by competing demands on your time and energy. Perhaps you're seeking guidance and mentorship to help you navigate the challenges of entrepreneurship and business. Or you're looking for inspiration and practical advice to help you achieve your goals. In this episode of The Organic Matrix, we sit down with Anthony, founder of CDO Group, a national commercial construction firm with over 25 years of experience in the industry. Anthony shares his insights on what sets successful companies apart, how to build a thriving business in a rapidly changing world, and the strategies and habits that have helped him grow as a leader. Whether you're looking for personal or professional growth, Anthony's wisdom and experience can help you overcome the obstacles you face on your journey. Looking for career advice, personal development tips, or inspiring stories? Our, metric, our Matrix mentors have you covered. Don't miss out. Bookmark our podcast and follow us on social media for a life guide in your pocket. Good morning, Anthony. Welcome to the Organic Matrix. Good morning, Samantha. I am so excited to be on. I, I love your show, your guests. I just I, I feel honored to be on the show today. I have listened to a lot of your shows, and uh, I just feel overwhelmingly honored to be here today. Thank you for having me. It's a it's an honor. Can you tell us about your journey starting CDO Group and what inspired you to enter the construction industry? You know, that's a big question, right? I mean, the the journey is it's it's a big conversation. I I if you would ask me when I was young if I was going to become a construction guy, I'd be like, no way. I, I was going to become an accountant. I I would thought maybe you know, my mother wanted me to be a butcher when I was a kid. She thought if I worked, you know, I worked in a, in a like a butcher shop as a kid, as a cleanup kid. She thought if you work in a butcher shop, you'll always be able to eat. Her, you know, she wanted me to be safe, and she had this, you know, great idea for what safety was. And, you know, I I, I didn't know want to do that, but uh, as I worked my way through school and I uh, I got out of high school, I worked in a in a brokerage firm. And back then, it was a stock brokerage firm. It was a lot like Wolf of Wall Street. It was just like that. I mean, like literally a penny stock firm selling penny stocks. It was shady and shifty, but fun, right? It was this exciting place. I worked in Boca Raton, Florida. I worked for this old Jewish man that uh, just busted my chops. He, he, he busted my chops every single day. But he was like this amazing guy, right? He, he actually, he was actually a, a tough guy to work for. But he taught me how to sell. And I would tell you that one of the biggest gifts was that he taught me to get on the phone. And he'd have me call two or three hundred people a day, like literally start on the East Coast in the morning and finish on the West Coast at night. And he would have me keep the phone next to my ear, and I would just literally die. He said, "You can never put it down. Never put that phone down. You just keep dialing all day long." And at first, I was so you know it was tough, right? But he would say to me, "Kid, you want to make money?" I'm like, "All right, I want to make money." There were people in my office who were making like twenty thousand bucks a month. I'm like, "Man, I'm just a little broke kid in Florida, a little redneck kid in Florida." I'm like. I want to make 20 grand a month. And people, you know, kids my age were making, you know, driving, uh, you know, Porsches and, and, and having airmate ties and $2,000 suits. And I'm like, man, I, I want to do that. And, um, uh, you know, ultimately it was one of those things where I learned to sell. And uh, right as I got my license to become an actual broker, because I had to work for this guy for a couple of years, as I got my license to get it, the stock market crashed. And I got to tell you, Samantha, that was the biggest gift to happen, right? I, uh, and I believe in that business. I started a, a, a detailing business. And then from there, I started a painting company. And I worked my way through. I went back to college. And uh, not that I was ever good at school. I was terrible at school. I, Samantha, I sucked at school. In fact, teachers to me sound like the peanuts. You know, it just it sounded like that. I, I could never sit in a classroom long enough to enjoy it. It wasn't my thing. You know, there are other people who love school and God bless them, but it wasn't my thing. And 
I worked my way through school painting houses. You know, so school wasn't really for me. It was one of those things where I, I just didn't really ever get into it. It was, uh, I, I couldn't relate to it. When people talk at me, it really ever worked. And I, I, I really needed that experience. And, you know, for every year I would, I would get into school, I I'd try to do a new semester, but, you know, my entrepreneurial experience always wanted me to win out. Nice. And I made great money doing it and I, I would get my friends to help me do it. And I grew that and I finally got some commercial projects. And uh, I got this one project called Discovery Zone. It's a playground for kids. And everything in it was a different color, right? And I, I got a, I worked for this contractor and he, and he kind of took me, right? He, 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 he I way underpaid me. But I learned, I learned how to do commercial projects. And that was the key, like, like ultimately, I didn't make any money, but I learned how to show up on a job site. I learned how to go to a, a mall. I learned how to work on, a, you know, how to, how to, you know, what I needed to wear and how do I needed to act. And, it was a pretty great experience, uh, even though I didn't make any money. And the contractor got me for another project. He got me to do a Banana Republic and, um, and ultimately another Discovery Zone. And during that Discovery Zone, one of the project managers was there. And he said, hey, I, I'd like to I see what you're doing. You're doing great work. We're inviting one of every subcontractor to our office in Chicago. Would you like to come? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to do that. And I knew some people that worked for Discovery Zone at the time. And uh, so I went I went to I went uh, up there for a meeting. At the meeting, they hired me, and uh, from there, I started building commercial. You know, I started building these discovery zones for them in house, and uh, I did that for a bunch of years. I traveled every single day. I traveled every day around the country. I would leave on. Uh, I, I would I'd, I'd travel. You know, my first day at the job, I went from Chicago to Puerto Rico. My second day, I went back to Chicago to California to Hawaii. All in like two days, I went from Puerto Rico to Hawaii, and. That was amazing. Like, like literally life changing. I, like I was this 22 year old kid who had just, you know, grew up in Florida, a little redneck kid. I had never done that kind of stuff before. And they were going to pay me to do this. And I was like, this is fascinating. And I did that for seven years. I traveled every single day. I traveled all over the country and I loved it. And, you know, whatever they would tell me to do, I, I didn't make any money. I was broke, but they paid my expenses. And, uh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't really about the money. It was really about learning. And, uh, you know, that's the fun part about being young is when you're young, it's not about making the millions yet. It's about learning and getting yourself set up so later on you can do it. Well, later on, I went from there, I went to, uh, I went to work for Boston Market. And uh, Boston Market was a, uh, became Boston Chicken. And uh, I, I built them and then Einstein Bagels. And I worked for that brand. And then I went from that brand to uh, Panera Bread. And I built the first 250 Panera Breads ever. And at some point, some guys I worked with said, hey, we're starting a company. Would you like to come join us? And I started as like a junior partner for this company. And a year later, I ended up buying the company. And, you know, you never know how the world's going to unwind. All I can tell you was I was I worked harder than anybody on that team. Right. I, I got there before they did. I left after they did. I worked seven days a week and uh, I was relentless about it. Now, those guys didn't want to work that hard. Those guys ultimately wanted to be developers. And I saw this niche in being a project management company. I saw this small little niche, and again, I think it's 25 years ago, right? So going back 25 years ago, and nobody was doing outsourced construction management. So what outsourced construction management means that these companies like Panera and, and Blockbuster Video and all, all these companies hire people to come work in-house for them to manage their construction. I said, well, it doesn't make sense. They, they, their, their business is really running a coffee shop or running, why are they have all these people in-house? Why are they out there buying cows to get milk? Why they just get the milk? They, they ultimately want someone to manage their construction for them, right? So I said, well, we could do that for them on, on an outsourcing basis. And I remember the first time we called people, like there was no such business. L literally, I would call people and they were like, 
well, we have people that work for us. Well, I, I would go, hey, we'll just take your overflow work, right? Because every every group has a, a period of the year where it gets too busy, where their team can't handle it all. And we would just take the overflow. Like, all right, you got 10 projects and you, you need someone to handle three of them. We'll do those three. And we'll take the crappiest three that your guys don't want, right? Most of the time it was like remodel projects or it was like these, pro- you know, nobody wants to do remodels, right? Remodels are kind of a pain in the neck. And uh, we, would, we would go take on their construction projects and, and then that grew, right? That grew slowly. And at the time, I didn't need a lot of money. I was young still, right? I was still, you know, in my early 30s. And and uh, I hadn't really started a family yet. It was just my wife and I. And uh, we, we could we could live on, 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 you know, small paycheck. But we were building this company. It was in the basement of my house. We had a, I had an old dining room table, this old brown dining room table. And my I hired an assistant. She had sat on one end. I sat on the other end, and then one day I, I hired my best friend David, and he and he worked in the middle, and then I then we hired another good friend of mine, Mike. He was a little bartender. He didn't know anything about construction, and he sat on a he looked like Linus. He sat on a gar, on a chair with a garbage can and a laptop on top, and we just hustled it out, and it was just a hustle. It literally, literally, was just a hustle every single day, and and one day we got uh, Red Lobster, right? They gave us this remodel program, and I remember we got like a hundred maybe 180 stores to remodel. And uh, we got, you know, 60 of one kind, 60 of another kind, another 60 of another kind. And uh, like it changed what we were doing. We didn't even have that. We, we kind of lied to get the job, right? And literally, literally we kind of made up, we had more staff than we did. And these four, the four of us literally try to look like we were 20 people. And while we're, while we're getting the program started, we're hustling. We worked all day, all night, uh, seven days a week. And, um, and we sort of finding people to come help out, right? As the projects would come on board, just as it, just, we we're just about to die and fall apart. So we'd hire someone, get somebody in, we'd find someone to come help us and we grew, right? And ultimately that's the thing you really got to remember when you're, when you're starting a business, you never, all it really is, is if, 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 I've started multiple businesses since then and all businesses are, and, and today I own nine companies. If you look at the, all a business is, it's an idea, right? You take an idea, whatever your idea is, and, and there's some, all everybody that's listening today, they all have an idea. Whatever that idea is, it's great. Now you have to expand on the idea. All a business is, all it is, is an idea that someone expands on, and then organizes, right? Hey there, coffee lovers! Did you know that your daily cup of joe might be tainted with oils and chemicals? If you follow me on social media, you are well aware that I'm all about checking labels and it's time we say goodbye to these harmful additives in 2023. Shockingly, many of Americans' beloved coffee creamers contain ingredients that you'll never knowingly mix into your coffee, such as canola oil, dispotassium phosphate, and artificial flavors. But don't worry, we've got your back Liard Superfood Creamers. These creamers are made from top-notch, all-natural, real food ingredients, giving you nothing but the best in every sip. Here, an inspiring tale. Liard began tinkering with his morning coffee routine almost 20 years ago. He discovered that adding adding healthy fats like coconut oil to his coffee not only enhanced the taste, but also provided him with incredible energy that lasted throughout the day. Eventually, he crafted the ultimate fuel pack coffee and started sharing his secrets with his surf buddies. So why not make the switch to Liard Superfood Creamers today? 
Elevate your morning ritual, fuel your day with clean energy, and never worry about hidden and harmful ingredients again. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to liardsuperfoods.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code ORGANICMATRIX at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Right now, the problem is people don't understand what's in between those two things, right? So you expand an idea, like we expanded the idea of being a, a construction management company, right? And then in between was chaos. Like the wheels almost fell off. Like we almost died. Like, and most people give up in the chaos. Most people don't realize the chaos is the gold, right? The chaos is where you got to, if you can stay, if you can stay in, in that spot of chaos and, and be okay with it, like stand in, this is normal. Right. The problem is that we all get petrified of it. Like, oh my God, the world's falling apart. I can't take it. That's it. Go back to being small. And then we all contract. We, we, we want to contract, contract again. And the idea is to keep stepping through it. Right. Just keep stepping through it. Now that takes a little bit of work, right? Ultimately as an entrepreneur, I say that the biggest gifts I've learned are the work that I do on myself, right? To, to really stand in that chaotic spot. You can't do that, you know, and, and carry, a bunch of baggage to me. Uh, I, I kind of the visualization I always have is you know Santa Claus. Yeah. You know he always carries that big bag of toys, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I, I live a life where I carry a big bag of crap, right? And I've got this big bag of crap I carry. And inside that bag of crap are fears, angers, resentments. You know, they're they're they're, they're places where I owe I owe people money or things that I haven't done, and they weigh me down. Right when I'm in the chaos, I'm carrying that bag. It makes, it makes the chaos 10 times harder. And as I look at that, right, I take an inventory of that bag and I open up the bag and go, okay. Like I had some great stories. Like a lot of stories I had that got me there were useless. I had all these stories about what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, look, my, my mother worked at Denny's. I was a redneck kid, right? I was a little redneck kid who grew up in, in Florida. And I, you know, you, you, your life would suck too if your mom worked at Denny's and your dad died at seven. He was a, my dad was a gangster. I carry those stories like a badge, like I had to defend those or live from there. And ultimately I had to reprogram some of that stuff. I had to go back and look at those stories and go, let's see, let's look at the story that I carry about my mother, right? She worked at Denny's and we were poor. And ultimately I can remember, and she had sent me to private elementary school, like, and she had made payments, 25 bucks a month, all the way until I was 18 years old. I remember her last check she sent for that, for that, uh, that, uh, that private elementary school. Right now, imagine, you know, I, you carried a story about being the poorest kid in that school. Right? I would have, you know, she was a seamstress and I would have, you know, sewed pants. You know, I was a kid in elementary school. I would slide on my pants and I'd have holes in them every day. And every day she'd patch the pants and I'd go to school and all the other kids, they were all white and they were all shiny kids. And I, I was dark, curly hair. I looked different. I had pants that had holes in them. Well, all that self-doubt started right there. I'm not good enough. You know, you look, I'm darker, I'm different, right? And But now some of that stuff was my shadow, right? Some of that started right there. The, the, the part of me that didn't feel right. I noticed I was different from everybody else, that part that disconnected. But there's also was some gold in that, right? Because ever since then, I've been defending I'm not poor, right? All the things that drove me, all the things that gave me all the effort, all the, th- you know, some of that stuff that causes the drama in my life has also caused some gold in my life, right? Like it's also had me work harder than anybody next to me. I, if I work if I work with you, I will outwork you all day. You, you may be smarter than I am, but I will outwork you all day long just because 
I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to lose, right? I'm, I'm going to fight hard. And, I, and one thing I know I can do is I can work hard. And um, so some of that story that I carried about my mother was a great example of a story I had to reprogram. And later on in life, I reprogrammed that story. And I start to look at it and go, hmm, how can I reprogram that one? Well, you know, maybe that I could look at it and go, that's the, the, the gift of that was that I had this little woman who worked her ass off for me. And maybe I owe her. Right. And days when I'm tired, I can remember my mother, like I'd wake up in the morning, she would work at Denny's during the day. Right. And she would sew clothes at night. So like in our living room, there'd be piles of, of pants and she'd get a dollar per zipper. Right. And she would, she would show up in the, she would, I would literally find her in the morning at the sewing machine asleep with her head on the sewing machine and zippers still in her hand. And every once in a while, whenever I get tired and I think to myself, I can't take another day or I'm worn out or I can't do it. I got to remember that little lady, I owe her, right? She paid for my elementary school until I was 18 years old. Maybe the gift of being poor and seeing a woman who worked that hard, that I can turn her back around and give it back to her and say, hey, I got it. Or even my gangster father, right? I, I can look at him and go, you know, what kind of guy leaves his kids? I was seven years old when he died. He got shot by a police officer because of his behaviors. But somewhere later on in life, I, I look at that, I reprogram, I go, all right, maybe that's all he knew. Maybe if I could have grace that the other people on this planet, you know, I, I, here, I've never met a man, I've never met a woman or anybody who's really malevolent. Truth is, people are scared, right? And they're trying their best to do their best every single day. And every man I've ever met wants the same thing. They want something for their family. They're trying hard for themselves. They're trying to figure right now, this world is amazing. We have more abundance than we've ever have, yet it's more overwhelming than it's ever been, right? We have so many options, so many choices, what to do, right? It's overwhelming. And sometimes I get, I get scattered in those overwhelming moments. And I, I got to really slow down and look at it and go, okay, I'm just overwhelmed, right? Maybe that little Anthony inside of me is just a little overwhelmed. If I could just take a deep breath, get myself centered in the moment and really just what's, what's real, you know, there's what's, what happens. And then there's my story about what happens, right? There's like my mother, she, she worked at Denny's. And I had a story about that, what happened, right? You know, my, my life is a mess. I, I, you should, you, you'd have problems too because your mother worked at Denny's. And later on, I reprogrammed that. I changed the story about what happened. And now that gives me energy, right? Now I can look at life in a whole different way. So that as I go through the part of expansion of a company, I can remember that some of, sto some of my stories that I carry, right, oftentimes – Five, five times a week, maybe maybe three to five times a day, a week, I write on my hand, how could the opposite of what I'm thinking be true? I literally write it on my hand in the morning, right? Especially on mornings when things get dramatic, right? Uh, you know, someone quits, something happens. Uh, you know, we, we, we have all kinds of things happen every single day. And, and sometimes I, I make up stories about them and, and I write on my hand, how could the opposite of what I'm thinking be true? How could that human being that I'm really mad about, that SOB, that person I'm mad at, how could the opposite be true? How could I have some grace for them and reach over and, and, and realize that they're just going through the same shit that I am? That maybe that we're, we're working hard on, on they're, they're working hard on this and they're just as confused as, uh, as I am. Right. And we're all working to try to find some. So that's a lot of the, you know, expand and organize and looking at that bag. I think it's really important if you're young and you're an entrepreneur and you're really looking at it and this is hard to hear. So if I realize that, I am the result of the life I've created. If I am the only one responsible for the life that I'm living, I can't blame anybody else. You know, before when I opened that bag up, I was a victim. 
I was a victim to my mom working at Denny's. I was a, a victim to my dad dying young. I was a victim to being a dark little a, a Sicilian boy, right? I, I had the, you know, this, 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 my skin color was different. I was a victim to that. When I started taking responsibility for the way I lived and the actions I took. All of a sudden I had, I had agency. I started looking at, okay, how am I acting? Well, what were the behaviors I had that, that changed seven years ago was, I walked around as a drinker and, you know, I, I ran, I owned this company for 25 years. At, at that point I had owned it for 18 years and we had never gotten past a certain financial point. And I could look at it and go, what was causing that? Well, part of it was I was a mess, right? I mean, I would, I would, t- I would literally hire people, take them out and get them drunk. I thought it was appropriate to take the women that worked for me or the guys that worked for me and take them out and get drunk with them. Like somehow that behavior seemed like, well, but, but I'm being nice. We're being friendly. We're creating atmosphere. The truth is it's unprofessional. You know, it's not productive, right? It, it's, it creates, uh, you know, it creates behaviors that people, uh, you know, start to get resentful for them. I mean, nobody ever gives anybody, the, no one ever gives anybody the big deals to the drunk in the room. They may give you a couple of deals because they like you, right? They may give you a, a couple of scraps from the table, but the big deals go to the professionals. And all of a sudden, at, about six and a half years ago, I got sober. I started realizing that maybe I had some character defects. Like I couldn't walk around the office all day long cussing like a sailor. Not that I'm saying sailors are bad, but my behavior, you know, that's not a professional. If I'd like to grow a company that today's, you know, last year grossed over $60 million in revenue, 60 million bucks, that wasn't possible back then, right? I would never get the big deals. I'd get the, you know, two to $5 million deals. So the, the $5 million, you never got the big ones. Do you have kids, little cousins, nieces and nephews? If so, I bet you're tired of the pain from stepping on Legos. And I bet you're fed up with the subpar cardboard jigsaw puzzles. We have a fantastic solution for you today. Juan Go Puzzles. These puzzles aren't just like any other ordinary jigsaw puzzle. They're an exceptional work of art, meticulously crafted from genuine wood, breathtaking designs, and distinct shapes. Juan Go Puzzles promise not only a delightful but stimulating experience it'll keep you hooked and the best part all the pieces are guaranteed to be included so you'll never have to worry about an incomplete puzzle again indulge your puzzle passion with wango puzzles a true treat for your intellect and creativity say goodbye to flimsy cardboard and hello to premium wooden jigsaw puzzles they're 100 wooden and they'll last forever each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsical pieces as you work through it. They come in custom wooden box, which is a perfect gift for storage, with stunning designs and unique shapes. Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. I love doing the snow globe puzzle myself. It was a great to pull out a puzzle and have it done at night and have it on the table and not have it on the table for a week. What are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code ORGANICMATRIX to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you'll have with the puzzle, I guarantee. Or get your money back. Go to wongopuzzles.com and use the code ORGANICMATRIX to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. And when I started changing some of the behaviors and really looking at how we acted every single day, 
And I ultimately took responsibility for my actions, but this is the hard one. My intended actions, but my also unintended actions. Right when I started taking responsibility for those and lived a life where I looked, and now the problem is, I carry, I have this built-in BSer, right? I, I have this this ego inside of me that says that everything I'm doing is okay, right? It tells me that the behaviors I have are fine. It's a liar, right? See, I, I've named the guy in my head. His his name is Fred. And Fred's a jerk. Fred's really a jerk. Well, now, if, Fred, if, if Fred was a person, I'd punch him in the mouth. Why'd you name him Fred? Well, you know what? I had to find a way to like make it a character, right? I had to have a, I had to see it because, you know, ultimately I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see him, right? I, I kept justifying the behaviors I was having, right? Now, Fred's the guy who keeps me on the couch. He doesn't want me to go to the gym. Fred's the one who says it's okay to eat more bonbons. Fred's the one who says it's okay to spend more money than I make. Fred's the one that says it's okay for me to act in ways that are immoral, Right, and and he, he built and he literally builds in stories that say, yeah, those guys are boring. That guy's that guy over there. He's just boring. They they don't know they're having a good time. That me having these crazy parties. I mean, at one point I had a, a rave house. I, I had a, a successful company, and I had my business, a construction company, in this old abandoned warehouse that we would throw raves in, and people would come to work, and there'd be beer cans and cups, and smell like booze from the night before, and you would think. They could think we're professional, right? It just it, it it did not become a professional organization. Now today, I'm not going to tell you that everything's perfect. That's a lie, right? The today is I can, but I can look at my character, my characteristics of myself, right? Now I can't. I need someone outside of me to do that, right? The truth is, I can't. I'm a liar. I lie about it's okay. I was, remember Fred lies to me and tells me all this stuff is true, and he makes these really convincing stories. Well, Anthony, it's okay to eat bonbons. Hey, Anthony, it's okay for you to smoke dope all day. Hey, Anthony, it's okay for you to, to drink all night. Hey, Anthony, it's okay for you to do cocaine until the birds come up. Hey, Anthony, the, the, and the, somehow or another, he justifies these behaviors. I would suck down Adderalls and Coke and 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 try to figure out how to how to stand in the middle of the storm of expansion with this cloudy mind. Right now, at first, I'm going to tell you those changing those behaviors was tough. Right, and I, I mean like tough and like. I was proud, like my first day sober was great, and my first, you know, month sober was was cool. But I, I'm not gonna lie to you and say to you that it was easy, because I didn't know how to do it. I also I was feeling feelings, I and I was getting angry, and I had all kinds of emotional stuff that would come up, right? And now, if I can't get high on drugs, or I can't get high on drinking, or if I can't get high on spending, I can get high on emotions. Right, I can I can get just as high on anger as anything. I, I I mean, a great resentment is like a fine wine. That freaking jerk, you know. I could just drink it up. I can drink in a resentment or a fine anger. So like tequila, tequila. That's man. F him. Right, and I would just I could feel the anger, and that could be just as much a high. And I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know that. I, I, Fred justified those behaviors. That guy's an ass. No, here, look. When I see more than three asses in a day, I know that the fourth one is me. Thank, thank you so much for like sharing your story. Uh, I could honestly relate relate to your story so much with like my own life, and I'm sure that our Matrix members could could relate too. On there's a, there's tons of areas of our life where. We could take responsibility and 
even though like our instinct is to get fight or flight, we get more power, we get more control, we get more confidence when we do take responsibility, even though the thought of it is scary. Once we get into that mindset, it's very empowering, it's very healing. Um, and I, I thank you so much for encouraging our listeners to do exactly that. I love the part that you mentioned that um, we have to take responsibility for the things that we also don't intend that happen, that weren't in our uh, intentions, because it's very easy to shrug our shoulders and like push it to the back of our minds, but it's still living there and it's still alive. And I also found it like really clever that you named Fred, because with that, you're able to actually separate those voices from your own ego and say, hey, th those are just thoughts arriving here. They don't belong here. Like They don't live here. It's fun. It's fun. We start to really look at them, right? The, those intended actions, but like, I, like a, a great one now, uh, uh, today for CDO group, I'm not the president anymore, right? Uh, my, my wife's the president of the company. And, and one of the big reasons was I needed to expand, right? A, lo a lot of who I was was tied up in being the president of CDO group. When I would introduce myself to you, I would introduce you, myself to, I'm Anthony. I'm the president of CDO group. It became this like facade. Right, this this person I became, and ultimately it was great, but it was also pretty limiting, right? I also became it got limited, and and one of the big things we did was we, we I, I've got three daughters, right? I really stand for I've got five kids, and 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 three of them are daughters, and, and I stand that you know women stand in the world just as just as you know just as equals men, but am I acting? Are those behaviors? Am I acting that way? Am I am I acting like uh, you know? Am I creating a world where Women are equal to men. And when my wife took over as president and I stepped back and became founder, I could really start to look at, and she ran things way different. It's an amazing company today, right? I ran it like a Spartan war camp, right? If, if you, if you worked for me, you worked your ass off and, you know, and, and we grew, but every once in a while I'd look back behind me and I would see a lot of dead bodies, right? I would, I would just, you know, if you worked for me, you, you got beat up. I would just, today she built a, she built family and community and, and the work that she does inspires me every day. She's kind and creates, you know, these people that love working here. The relationship that she creates with the people that work here is amazing. Now, I couldn't have gotten that if my ego would have kept me there, right? Stepping back. I, I had this woman who came in. Her name is Lola Wright. And Lola is this amazing life coach. I remember I told you I, I couldn't do it by myself, right? I couldn't do that. I would, I would pretend like I would do it, right? Smith, I would, I would pretend I'm going to do this stuff. And I would give you lip service, but my, my, my feet were, were you know, creating the action. And one day Lola comes in my office. She goes, hey, today we're going to imagine Lola's like six foot one. She's got bright red hair and bright red lips. And she's just it's very high energy. Right? Hey, today we're going to lock your door. I'm like, oh, great. I get to, you know, I have an open door policy. People coming out of my office all day. And she's like, oh, you're, you're, I'm going to get the focus. She goes, no, 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 no. Today we're going to lock you in. And you're not allowed to talk to anybody out there. She goes, yeah. She goes, you and your ego keep walking out there and you keep getting in everybody's shit. What, what, what? She goes, yeah, you keep going out there and you suck the oxygen out of the room. You think that you're helping everybody, but you're not. You keep walking out there and that energy takes them out of, out of, out of it. And ultimately, you don't believe that they can do it. Now, why do you hire these amazing people and do that to them? What kind of masochist are you? Are you needing? Are you needing to fulfill something inside of you? And I was like, "Wow, 
that's that man. I'm, I'm, that's that. That's that, that. That boy on the playground, who who didn't feel good enough, right? Who's been trying to defend that he's good enough? He does that in every room that he walks into. How could he stand back and go, all right, maybe she's right? And there was a gift in looking at changing that behavior. And I, but I couldn't do that without her, right? So that I think that's a gift of finding people that you trust. Where for thousands of years we were tribal. You and I might have been part of a tribe somewhere, and and you know we, we had elders who walked with us, people that needed us, right? If if we didn't survive, the tribe died. So those elders needed you to survive, right? And there's people that you trusted that wanted your survival, and they would tell you to walk like this and don't do that over there. And when they spoke, you knew that they had your best interests in mind. Today, that's broken. The industrial revolution kind of changed that. Most of us get our feedback from likes and not likes on Instagram and Facebook, and it's not really satisfying because those are people that we don't know that we can trust. Most of them are looking to get some sort of, you know, it, it, some real shallow feedback from us. When I find people I can trust in my life, right, and I can build those relationships and say, "Hey, I need your feedback. I want your feedback, and I respect that feedback." Right, and put that into action. Right, that like Lola for me was a, was a great gift. Right, and there's been other ones. I've got people in my you know that teach me to be a better man. I, I belong to a group called MKP, a Mankind Project, where we work on how to become better men. What's the languages that we use, the behaviors we have that make sure that all men are treated equally, and women, right, and all people are treated equally. Right, what are the actions you use? Can you can you walk around and use certain words that are inappropriate? Maybe. Maybe not, right? And how do we how do we start to you know create that? So, I think that's the gift, Samantha. As, as we start to find those places, and, and that's really the next. Your work that you do on this podcast is amazing. Your your guests bring insight. I think you you really have these amazing guests. I've I've listened to stories about people coming out of the closet. I've listened to people about health stories. I've, I've listened to places where you can hear people talking their truth, not at me, but you know they they're, they're sharing what happened to them. And, you know, there's always a difference between someone who says, you should do this, and someone else who says, this is what happened to me, right? There's two different feelings I get from that. When someone says, you should do this, uh, you know, that's what church did or school did or teachers did. I hated that. But when I hear people like your guests every day saying, this is what happened to me, I like, I feel my heart tighten up. I feel the room tighten up. I feel closeness to those people. And ultimately, that's what I want. If someone speaks their truth and you know, from their experience, not at me, but from their, for, hey, this is what happened to me. And I don't know if that works for you. Great. Thank you so much, Anthony. And I'm, and I'm feeling that same exact way listening to your story. Like I'm hearing it through my heart right now. And I feel like I'm like experiencing a lot of the truth that you're sharing. And, and I agree with you. Like I'm the, when I was 14, uh, I went to church for the first time, well, like to go to service. And I heard like the preachers preach. And I was like, immediately, I was like, I need to read the Bible myself because I can't trust a man that calls himself a priest, that he has the best interests and heart for me, or like that he is sharing this truth and it's not skewered in some way. Like I grew up with uh, two lesbian parents, so I had a lot of like different treatments. So like similar to how you had the treatment growing up with your peers and you being different, like I grew up with a different a different dimension of that uh, where people thought that 
becoming gay was contagious. Like if, like I had some kind of cooties that I caught from my mom, and that if I have you heard those nasty rumors about typical dog kibble? If you have, we have a solution for you. Introducing our radical pups, Bear, Oliver, and Mira. Our Bajaski pups have sensitive stomachs. I used to cook for them all the time, every week, but not anymore. Now I give my pups num num. You can actually see proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, pork, peas, carrots, and more with no fillers or weird ingredients with names we can't pronounce. You tell them about your pup, their age, their breed, their weight, allergies, and protein preferences, and they'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged num num meals and send them straight to you. Store the meals in your fridge or your freezer until it's mealtime. They'll give you specific instructions on how to transition your dog from foods like kibble to always fresh num num. For best results, watch your dog clean their dishes, dance for dinner, and overall thrive. Isn't it time to feel good about the food you're feeding your dog? Use the promo code ORGANICMATRIX and order Num Num today. Go to the link in our description and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Plus, Num Num comes with a money-back guarantee. That means if your dog doesn't love fresh, delicious meals, Num Num will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Num Num. Hung out with their kids. They were going to get become gay too. Like, oh no. Uh, so I had to like live with that, that weirdness and get comfortable with that. And so like, I really relate to how that can translate to making, to how we feel as adults. Like for a long time before I started changing these narratives in my mind, like I would push everybody away. I was just like so scared to be vulnerable, to feel emotionally connected to people because of those cooties like that and you're right it stems from those childhood moments that create those biggest stories and i love that your story today could really encourage people to like look back at their past and see how it's affecting their future and that sometimes our good intentions are seriously paving the way to hell and that's a very complex statement but i think your story really personifies it Thanks. You know, as we do work together now more than ever, we're seeing this. You know, the days of hiding Uncle Bob's and, and his and his and his you know hiding family members who were sick or mentally ill. That I mean, that we we came from generations of that. I mean, I mean, fifty, sixty. The people they hid this. Today, we are being able to see the human psyche more than we ever have before. And the gift is shows like yours really make it okay to be okay and not to okay all, all the time and, and share your vulnerability, share you know, that Japanese art that, uh, uh, that talks about the cracked art piece, the cracked uh, porcelain is where the gold comes out. You know, the part where in our cracks, that's ultimately where the, our heart comes out at, that, that uh, maybe the religion we have to get together today is the God in me bows to the God in you. And when I hear you speak vulnerably, like you do on your show every day, I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. Your guests are vulnerable and that's, that's the gift is, is having people speak vulnerable. Hey, not that all this other stuff wasn't great, right? People working hard to build a country and do look, we've got a lot of great stuff, but really we're noticing that we're all kind of 
you know, need that, that spot where we can trust that, Hey, I'm not perfect. And you, will you still love me? Right. Maybe Samantha, we, we, I mean, you, you know that I'm flawed and maybe I've been a drug addict. Maybe I've been a problem. Maybe I've had, I'm not the perfect man. You still love me. We, 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 am I still, I'm still allowed to be here. Right. I don't want to be kicked away from the herd. Right. Cause in the past that, that, that caused us to die. In this big bright word world that we're in today, we've got so many gifts. There's so, there's so many opportunities for us every single day. It's, I mean, I find it amazing the gifts that we have. And, um, as we trust those gifts and we, and we move on, I think that's, yeah, that's the playground to play in, right? Your, your show is a great example of that. Speak your truth, you know, be vulnerable. You know, you're, you're, you're cutting, you're, you're cutting the show as you travel the country today. Like that's a, that's a gift. And, um, as it continues to grow, I, I hope that I can continue to grow with you and, and grow our relationship. And, and, uh, you know, I love listening to your podcast. It's just, it's such an amazing show. Thank you so much, Anthony, and Namaste to you. Like, definitely, the God within me recognizes the God within you, and and I'm I'm very grateful. And we definitely have more work to do because I have a ton of more questions for you. As someone who has worked with some of the world's largest brands, what do you think sets successful companies apart from those who struggle to thrive? Are there any common traits or practices you've observed from your clients? People, right? If, if you if people ask me all the time, how did you grow so big? And I would tell you, somewhere where I stopped working on just business development, right? We've got a great business development team, and those people do great. But I focused on building people. As we build people, right? As we help people grow and make better lives than them themselves and their families, our companies have grown, right? It, it's all in the relationships that we build with the people who work here, and how do we make it so they grow? And that's ultimately, I would say that one of the biggest secrets to growing companies is finding people and investing in them, right? Uh, you know, there's a, a guy, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. I, I, I love studying all kinds of technologies. And L. Ron Hubbard, he's a Scientologist, and there's a whole jogma around Scientology. But L. Ron Hubbard was one, one of the best, uh, his book, Dynetics, one of the greatest books about teaching people, right? There's a, there's a whole uh, segment on a, a communication course that he does, and I, I love this course. So, you know, when we, when we go to grow a company, we oftentimes will hire somebody. We'll bring them in and we'll go, hey, I'd like you to do this. And they go, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And, and then you walk away and they, they don't know what that meant. They pretended when they're there because they don't want to sound stupid. Right? Nobody ever wants to sound stupid. So when you say, oh, yeah, well, you'll do this, but they, we leave them lifeless, right? L. Ron Hubbard would teach people that, all right, if you're going to train somebody something, you got to start with basic stuff. Right? If you want to train people to be on your team, you and, and the assumption that they know something is a flaw. And so he would trade, he had this communication course. It was a great course. It was about uh, who, uh, how, to, how, to, how to teach someone to communicate anywhere they were, right? No matter what the circumstances, right? No matter how challenging it was. So what's great communication to you? Uh, statement versus questions. All right. So statement questions, right? So that's, that's great. And, and, and Ron, uh, Ron Hubbard, he, he would say, I have an idea. And I'd like to recreate that idea in your brain exactly like I have it in my brain, right? I'd like to communicate that over to you and have you get it the way I get it, right? And it, would, and, and it really was, it was about time, it took to communicate, distance, right? And intention, right? Their intention to listen to it, right? Attention, their attention, and my intention, right? And he would teach, he would teach people to 
to, you know, so that's great communication. So he would start with the definition of to teach someone to communicate. But then ultimately he would say, all right, let's, let's start with basics. The first thing he would teach someone is to sit in a chair. Like literally just sit in a chair. I go, okay. How's that going to take me to, I mean, uh, you know, uh, communicate better. It's like, look, let's just practice being there, like being present. Oh, okay. I, I can learn to be present. And he would have you practice and he'd have you have a small win of just being present. Like just, uh, you know, how many times are you trying to communicate with somebody? But you got four other things going. You got your cell phone going. You got a thing going. You got mom needs something. And there's all these things that you're trying to communicate, but you're not very intentional, right? You're not, your attention or your being there is different. So we'd have you just practice being there. I'm like, oh, okay. Then he would have you sit with somebody knee to knee. Like both of you would sit in a chair just like this and you would sit knee to knee. And he would have you be there and be there intentionally with somebody else. Like, oh, okay. So you're, you're going to be there. And sometimes that's a little uncomfortable, right? Just being present because not being with them, but not staring at them, but just being together. Like being in a room with somebody you're going to communicate with or being with like uh, on a podcast with somebody you're communicating with. How do you be, how do we become present? Right? How many times do we start a podcast, right? That's why we did that intentional prayer before we got here. We drag all the stuff that happened before we got the podcast into the room where you and I are doing a podcast together and we're trying to be, we're trying to be present for each other. But I just dragged in, you know, uh, a kid quit this morning. Uh, uh, yesterday we had something happen on a job site that was dramatic. Uh, you know, my wife needs something. My kids need. If I drag that into this podcast together, it's very difficult for us to be present to each other, right? So if you stop, take a couple deep breaths, really create being present. So he would have you just be present, and then he would have us. Then he would have you practice telling a story. So, so I'll, here I'll I'll say something and you finish it. Ready? So uh, I want you to finish what, what I'm going to say. The 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 ball is. What, what, what is the ball? So I want you to finish what it is. The house is, and I want you to finish that statement. All right, the, the house is, the ball is, the grass is, the water is. Okay, great. Now, now you, you, you try that with me, and I'm going to try to continue that, right? So we're going to practice starting a conversation, sending it over to me, and then I'm going to practice sending it back to you. So you start the conversation this time. The coffee is warm. Do you like it? I love it. What's your favorite coffee? Oh, I see. My favorite coffee is uh, Colombian coffee with heavy cream. Colombian coffee with heavy cream. I love that. Lately, I've been giving up the cream and it's because of the calories. I, 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 I love dark roast coffee, but not Starbucks. What brand is your favorite? Starbucks, ironically. Okay. Right here. Now we practice starting and start starting and moving forward a conversation where we practice going back and forth. So L. Ron Hubbard would have you train you to start with sitting there, sitting there being comfortable, starting a conversation, and then completing a conversation. Now let's try let's try a conversation where you don't want to answer the question I'm going to answer. So try to you, know, you ever like you ever go talk to somebody and, and they ask, you ask them a question they're like, well, what about the, what about that? Or I need to go. The, the temperature's hot in here, right? And L. L. Ron Hubbard would have you practice. How would you handle that? How would you handle that? Right. So uh, try to avoid me. I'm going to ask you a question and try to avoid answering it. Right. And we'll, and we'll practice that together. All right. So, uh, Samantha, what's your favorite color? I, I see it doesn't matter, but I tell you what, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But tell me, what's your favorite color? My favorite color varies from my mood. Hey there, health and wellness enthusiasts. Are you tired of sifting through countless supplement brands? 
at their bold claims only to be disappointed by the quality or results? Your search ends here with Bulk Supplements. At BulkSupplements.com, they're dedicated to providing you with the finest, most reliable nutritional supplements without the fluff or gimmicks. Their products are thoroughly tested and come in their purest forms so that you can trust that you are getting the best. With over 500 supplements available in bulk, including vitamins, minerals, herbs, mushrooms, amino acids, proteins, you'll find exactly what you need to support your fitness journey, boost your immune system, or enhance your overall well-being. Why should you choose BulkSupplements.com? Purity. They prioritize the highest quality ingredients without unnecessary additives. Affordability. Our, their bulk options make you get more value for your money. Convenience. Shop easily online and enjoy hassle-free shipping right to your doorstep. And variety. Explore their extensive selection to find the perfect supplements for your unique needs. Transform your health and wellness routine with the power of BulkSupplements.com. Visit their website and use the promo code ORGANICMATRIX for a discount off your future purchases. Experience the difference that pure, high-quality supplements can make in your life. Remember, it's not about the supplement. It's about investing in a better you. Food. Your, your mood, your, Samantha. So your mood uh, changes your color. But Samantha, what's truly your favorite color? If I were to choose, I would say it would be a hue of blue. Awesome. So there. So now, ultimately, you had, it would have you have you be intentional, grabbing the objection or the or the distraction, right? Holding that in a space where you honor them for it. You're not trying to dismiss it. Hold it in a spot, that, but go back to asking the question intentionally, right? Don't be and, and continue to do that no matter how many times. They try to take you off course and you've been in rooms where, you know, someone doesn't want to answer something or be some, but being straight about taking the question respectfully, not dismissive, like holding that. And you have you practice doing that multiple times. Now, at the end of this, the training would get you to a point where you and I could communicate in a way that no matter what happens, they would get you to a place called bull baiting. Now, bull baiting is the old Spanish way of training bulls. They would tie a bull to a tree and they would set the dogs off on them. Right, and the dogs go, rah, 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 and the bull, rah, you know, go crazy, and they would keep doing this until the bull wouldn't react, right? And they would have you practice that in a room, tr- talking to somebody, and they would have you l- literally practice being present. And people try to come at you with all kinds of things, and usually like a group coming at you, and they would cuss at you, yell at you, talk, say crazy things, and try to get you to react, right? And had it, and, and his whole practice would have you keep doing that practice, so you could be in a room and be present no matter what was happening in the room. Now. Why I tell you this whole story to get there is that when we're growing companies, oftentimes we'll just go, hey, just be present. And we won't take people through the training they need to understand what they're doing. And what happens is when people go, "Uh uh-huh, they really don't know what they're doing or they have to make up what they're doing, they become lifeless. When When I really want someone to be inspired about what they're doing, I have to train them down to the nth degree. Here's where the file goes. Here's how you fill, here, here's how you open the file. Here's how you fill out the file, right? If I want you to do a change order, all right, what's a change order? Well, w- whenever we were doing construction projects, we have a construction, we have a, a process, and here's a contract we have with a subcontractor. He's an electrician, but now we've asked him, you know, he's got, you know, 100 outlets in his, in his contract with us. Now we want him to do 101. Great. 
He can do 101, 101. Now we have to give him a change order for that. That is how, that, that's the start of it. And he'll send you over a, a proposal to do that 101 uh, change order. Now, great. When he sends that over to you, I, project manager needs to take a look at it. Now he'll look at it and give it a, approval or she'll look at it and give it approval. And then you'll take that and you'll go fill it. You'll take this form out and you'll write 101 uh, uh, added added uh, outlet. It wasn't in contract, approved by the project manager and the owner. And then that'll go on a change order and that'll get submitted to the client for approval. The, the client will approve it, take it and add it to the person's contract. And once it, once that all those steps happen, here's how we do each one of those steps. Now I can teach someone how to process something. But if I tell someone, just go write a change order, and they're like, oh, well, great, and there's a hundred things going on. It's hard to figure that out. Well, we do that every single day in our business world. Like we, we people, people go, uh-huh, uh-huh, I got it. And we leave them feeling lifeless. And they're wondering why people are confused. We don't spend the time to build the conversations that they need to see it exactly the way it needs to be. So I think that's that's one of the gifts of really taking it slow really investing time with your people. I think that's one of the challenges of really growing a company is slowing down enough so that people can see each and every step and, and not, not skip over any of them. Every time we skip over them, it's going to cost you. And ultimately, right, if we don't get that change, like for example, if we don't get that change order signed somewhere later on, that subcontractor is going to do the work. They're not going to get paid for it. There'll be some frustration you won't, and you won't be able to close out a project because the project or the finances won't be in alignment. So somewhere we're going to piss somebody off if we don't pro- follow this process. And that's ultimately going to cost us a lot more time than the problem we're having by slowing down and teaching each part of the process thoroughly. Thank you so much. That That is the best answer I can think of when it comes to investing into your employees because it is so true like if i reflect on the times where i had jobs that i enjoyed it's because they had a very clear order of operations and it didn't give me a lot of room to make a mistake it made it gave me a lot of opportunity to work really hard because i knew exactly what responsibilities i was in charge of and if i needed any help i had someone to like walk me through the process so i could just like write down steps so like i love the way you describe leadership because in this fast world with growing technology, with Google and ChatGPT at our fingertips, sometimes we like it's becoming more often that we I see leaders not knowing how to delegate or how to be mentors, but just give direction. And, and I think that goes back to what, what we were speaking about earlier with teachers teaching at us instead of, you know, putting us in that harmony with the plan and involving us in the plan. So I love that you pointed that out. And I hope that Matrix members, for all the entrepreneurs listening to the show, I want you to ask yourself, is there a clear order of operations? And what does your onboarding look like? Does it include your new employee or a partner in the way you think, in the sense that are you teaching them why these aspects are important? I think that if more people took your approach, Anthony, and the approach of the Scientologist you mentioned, we would see a lot more success in employee retention. Absolutely. If we, if we slow down and just spend that time with them. And, you know, in Scientology, you know, every religion, every group, to me, there's a technology that they use, right? And I think there's, you know, I've traveled this world uh, and, and, and been part of 
you know, uh, multiple religions all around the world. My family and I do a, a, a TV show. It's called Family Style. I take my family around the world and we, we, we go and we study religions. We study cultures. We do a great, we do a, a, a social interaction with a community, some sort of give back. And then we do a grand adventure, right? We might go shark diving or, or work on schools or, or build wells or, or do something fun for, do something fun. And in that, those interactions, right? There's, there's a great gift in that, uh, uh, you know, finding, finding ways to, to travel and, and, and do all these things. So every religion I've ever been part of or learned about, you know, to me, they all sound a little bit like two year olds describing algebra. Not, not that I, not that I don't uh, honor all of that they're doing. It does feel like God has a much bigger idea than than any of us can actually capture in the words that we write. Uh, but there's something in each word that it's written about it that I can hear God as well. So I don't feel like it's ever been completely captured completely. But um, it does feel like we're all trying to get to uh, find that. Now the problem I have is that I want to find God and I want to manipulate. I, I want to figure out who God is and everything about Him. And the truth is, I just want to do that so I can manipulate you and it. I can manipulate God, right? If I can figure God out, I can ultimately, you know, figure out a way to manipulate him a little bit. I'll give him all the cookies and biscuits he wants so he can do all the magic I can do for me. I'll make God a little genie. And I think that when we really look at this being that's greater than all is, it's maybe a little bit bigger picture than that. That's kind of a human experience, right? Where I want to make God into a, a thing, and when I look at it as this ultimate universal being, uh, I may see that in a much different way. And I, th- I think we're sort of really start to notice that it's a much bigger picture than we ever imagined. Any of the religions that have ever been here, they're just never paid quite homage enough in a way. We're seeing a much bigger, bigger picture of it uh, than ever, bef- ever before. Oh, I agree with you. And I think uh, what you said, I find it extremely thought-provoking. Like yesterday I was doing research about left, left-style thought of religion and spirituality, and then the right. In Buddhism, I heard a lot about left thinking and right thinking, but growing up, I didn't understand it completely. I just thought it was like figurative, like, oh yeah, right side, right, like it has that pun. Um, But then I realized, well, yesterday during some research, that like on the left side of spirituality philosophy, it's like us being the magician and manipulating our environment to manifest things that we find that we want to see expressed in this dimension in this realm that we live in. And then on the right hand side is where like the people with the religious philosophy of wanting to be in harmony with nature, wanting to be in harmony with natural law. And I could see that from the jump, our human instinct is to be the left, and it takes enlightenment to want to join the right because of the le- the path of less resistance. But then when we were speaking earlier about chaos, being common resistance bring us so much armor. So I love that you mentioned that part because I noticed that a lot of people may identify with wanting to be in harmony with nature, yet they're praying to God for items like, oh God, I want a Lamborghini. Oh God, I want a new house. But do they have the ability to work for it? And then, so on the right-hand side, harmony with natural law is like you won't—you don't pray for things; you pray for the strength to to maintain it. What I noticed with a, a lot of successful entrepreneurs that I've able to interview was they were no different than the average man. The only difference was their their capacity to take responsibility and maintain what they valued, and to stick to certain ideals and principles that inspired them 
to serve others. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that. No, you 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 you've, you've nailed it, right? I think, I think that's ultimately you've nailed it, right? You you, you nailed it. You, you know, are we adding? You know, when when people ask for things, you know, of course, look, of course, I want things. My ego wants things. And if, if I could ask this magic genie for this, you know, if, if there's some George Burns or Martin, you know, if, if I could find some some Oprah up in the sky that's going to, you know, give me give me my wishes, of course I'd want that, right? I, I, and I'd manipulate that until I misused it and it'd be mad at me. And, you know, that that's there's something bigger than that, right? The ultimate gift. And, and I'm one who believes we've had multiple lives, right? We've been on this planet thousands of times, even millions of times since we've been amoebas. And I really do feel that we, we're here. We have, we chose to opt in that wherever we were before this, we chose to come here and we have work to do, right? Like the work that you're doing on this podcast, right? My, my first 48 years on this planet, I was kind of like, I have a dog and her name is Gucci. And Gucci's this amazing little labradoodle. She just loves everything. But you let, let Gucci off the, let Gucci off the uh, leash and she just walks around sniffing everything. <laughs> she sniffs everything, right? Gucci's always sniffing everything. Oh, my God. She wants to experience. And that's my first 48 years on the planet, right? I sniffed and ate beer and played with my nipples, right? Excuse me. I didn't mean to be appropriate. I didn't mean to be. But I'm trying to be. Right? I, like, I, I did all these these little things. Today, I realize I have work to do, right? Like, the work that you're doing on this podcast is how can I be of service to others, right? When I stop, you know, it, it, I, I hear people on podcasting all the time. I want more listeners. I want more listeners. I want to. I want to. I want to monetize. I want to. Great. How about just starting by doing great work and serving others? Everybody who's ever made it in the podcast world, anybody who's ever made it in social media, start by serving the world, giving more than you ever will get. The money will come. It always has. The universe has a way of taking care of those who take care of the universe. It always has. And at first, it may not feel that way because you're like, I, I, I got to pay my electric bill this week. Oh my God, I got a car payment to make. But if the work that you do, like the, like you do on this podcast every day, if the work you do is you know, guided, helping others shine light on them, it will ultimately always resonate well to an audience. And as you grow your audience, all that other stuff will, will come into, into fruition. Thank you so much, Anthony. I feel so blessed. And like, and thank you. You just gave me a, a huge charge of like motivation to continue to like, engage with my audience and to stay on this mission and you're right sometimes it gets so discouraging when it comes to those daunting bills and such but i agree like i agree i feel like personally i came here to work ever since i was little i was ready to run out the house and and i just knew it wasn't going to be a nine to five because i spaced out way too much and i think it's just a creative connection and i believe that everybody is here with a, a talent that gifted by God and and it's our job to discover it and I, I really appreciate you supporting the podcast and seeing the intention behind it and the heart and soul behind it it's amazing your your, your work is look I it's not hard to see your you are a light in this podcast world of, of just you glow and every one of your pot you can hear that in the way that you come out and I, again I'm so honored to be on here and I, I hope that uh, you'll invite me back uh, uh, multiple times.